The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up. We welcome you to this service of ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe. On this first Sunday of the month, as is our custom, we welcome all of whatever age, station, or background to participate in the sacrament of Holy Communion. Those listening on the radio may request communion in the home by calling the chapel office. And on this Sunday, we commend to you the ministry of Marsh Chapel. We invite those so moved to identify as members of the chapel community and chapter. We encourage you all to continue or to commence the practice of tithing of disciplined generosity. And we ask you to ask yourself what form your ministry, your engagement of gracious kindness here will take in the coming weeks. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you govern all things both in heaven and on earth. Mercifully hear the supplications of your people, and in our time grant us your peace through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are Glory to God. Amen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. May we exchange with one another signs of his peace. A lesson from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up, 
and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord. lesson from Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part what we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now hope, faith, and love abides, these three, and the greatest of these is love. The word of the Lord. Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 71 responsively with the antiphon. I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, for the hand of the wicked from the grasp of the unjust and cruel. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from birth. It was you who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. Please stand as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 4, verses 21 through 30. Glory to you, O Lord. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will be quoted to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself, and you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that you have heard you did in Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel at the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in this time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built. So they might hurl him off the cliff, but he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. We come to the Lord's table this morning of glad heart and open mind, ready to receive Christ Jesus, nay, ready to be received by Jesus Christ in, through, and with his grace to us and for us. With two millennia of women and men who have done so before us, we pause prior to the sacrament to listen for a word, a good word, a God word, God's word, as read in Holy Scripture and given a human, a very human interpretation in, with, and for the community of faith. In this calendar year 2019, we turn our attention, we shift our angle of vision from the Gospel of Mark, most of 2018, to the Gospel according to St. Luke, the third Gospel, which will occupy our attention for most of the rest of this year. In Spain's beautiful Prado Museum, you can spend a full half day mesmerized by the paintings of El Greco. When we come to Lent, to listen to St. John of the Cross, we will remember his painting of Toledo. But here today, we simply recall the wall size, majestic artistry of the shepherds, of long countenance, of long limbs, of long fingers, bright 
radiant in eye, in wonder and awe, the painting secured in St. Luke, for Jesus meets us in the pages of St. Luke this year. And the announcement, the pronouncement of the gospel, God born among the poor, abiding in their field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and the glory of the Lord appeared. Not here in the pre-existent eternal life of God as in the fourth gospel, nor here visited by the wealthy and the wise, the magi, as in Matthew. But in Luke, God born among the poor. What meets us in the third gospel according to St. Luke? Well, this gospel was written some 15 or maybe 20 years later than Mark. Mark is the earliest gospel written in the year 70. Luke in about the year 85 or so, contemporaneous with Matthew, his synoptic sibling. Written by, well, over time he acquired, the gospel acquired the name of Luke, but really we don't know neither where or when or by whom it was written. The name came to the gospel in the process of competition and conflict in the assembly of the New Testaments and so our Bible more on this in a moment. But it took the name of Luke, you'll remember, mentioned Luke the physician in Philemon's Philemon 23 and 1 Colossians and in 2 Timothy. What meets us in Luke? First, Mark meets us. Last year's gospel, St. Mark, almost 90% of it is repeated and rehearsed in Luke. Luke later took what came before and built upon it and changed it and edited it and redacted it. That's a little life lesson, a good lesson that things change and they can change for the better and change is to be faced, not feared. It's in the Bible, all that change. Likewise, Luke has within his pages, and remember Luke has a sequel, the only gospel in the New Testament to have a sequel, Acts. 25% of the pages of the New Testament are found in Luke and Acts. Luke uses a document we call Q. We don't see it, but we can see it behind Matthew and Luke. Now that's just the letter Q, which is the first letter in the Latin word cal, meaning source. But you know it. Oh yes, you know its words. In Q, not in Mark or in John, but in Matthew and Luke, we have the Lord's Prayer. Somewhat different in Matthew and Luke, but there in both. In these two Gospels using this source, so-called Q, we have the Beatitudes, a little different. Matthew, blessed are the poor in spirit. Luke, blessed are the poor. We have also the sermon, the great sermon of Jesus, sermon on the mount in Matthew and on the plain in Luke. Luke uses Q. He also uses, and this is the main thing, the substance of Luke, his own material. Luke has received, whence we do not know, all of the pages and verses from Luke chapter 9 through Luke chapter 18, found nowhere else, 
Without Luke, we wouldn't have the Good Samaritan, the prodigal son, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the dishonest steward. It's a panoply, a prodigious panoply of Luke's own material. Mark meets us, Q meets us. We'll say L for Luke's own material meets us. And what does Luke say as we look at him, listen and learn from him this calendar year? Well, it's not very courteous to summarize someone else's life work in three and a half minutes, but in the covenant of communion, we might simply say that first, Luke has a sense of history. He has a sense of the meaning and the flow of history. He wants, as he writes, to give an orderly account, to give an accurate account. He's writing toward the end of the first century. Most of the first eyewitnesses have died. And he wants to give his own historical view. He even has a developed view of history in three parts. Israel, Jesus, church, the time of Israel to John the Baptist, the time of Jesus to the ascension, and the time of the church until when it comes, the parousia. Luke loves history. Luke loves theology in the sense we're going, we're going to use just one word to sum him up, unfair as it is. Love of redemption. Forgiveness, grace, the God of redemption. The God of redemption meets us and speaks to us through Luke this year. But when he was a long way off, still his father saw him and ran to him and embraced him and cried, put a ring on his finger and a cloak on his back and come let us celebrate and make merry. For this my son was lost and is found, was dead and is alive. Now that's Luke's love of theology. More so, Luke has a passion for compassion, and this is the main part of Luke. He has a passion for compassion for the least, the last, the lost, those in the dawn of life, the twilight of life, and the shadows of life, those left behind, those in dire need, the stranger, the widow, the poor women, others, all. He has a, a love of compassion. And he also, we name it as the last in the list, though it's quite important, he has a love for the church, as you do. The writer to the Ephesians said that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the principalities and powers. So the book of Acts, which is in two parts, part one, part two, part A, part B, Peter, Paul, there you go. The love of the church, we remember particularly those of us in the Methodist tradition now entering further struggles within our church this month, that the church is a very human institution. Paul Tillich had it right that the church is always both a representation and a distortion of the divine, never perfect, both a representation and a distortion of the divine. Luke loves the church. Hold that third all year long, then you will hear Luke, his love of those in need. He has exalted those of low degree and brought down the mighty from their th thrones. That's Luke. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That's Luke. 
Blessed are the poor. That's Luke. For what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world if he loses his own soul? That's Luke. Sell your possessions, give what you have, and give to the poor and come and follow me. And there at the end, Zacchaeus coming down from the tree and saying, the half of all I have, I give to those in need. Luke is a gospel of redemptive compassion. This year, and including our narrative from this morning, we recognize that Luke has a foreglow and an afterglow. Luke draws on the Hebrew scripture, including the words of the law, Exodus 23, 9, do not forget the oppressed, the stranger, the sojourner. Why? Because once you were strangers in the land of Egypt. The Bible itself, the Hebrew scripture, was written in a Four decades of pain in Babylon, 587 to 538 BCE. By the waters of Babylon, we sat down and wept as our tormentors said to us, sing one of the songs of Zion. Or it could have been the prophets. Luke draws heavily on, there's hardly anything in world religions quite like the voices of the 16 prophets in the Hebrew scripture the four larger and the 12 sm smaller, Isaiah, Joel, I Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and then Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. We might pick Amos as the exemplar, who as a young shepherd boy stood at the gates of Jerusalem and cried against the great city, identifying and challenging their shallow religiosity, hmm. their over-reliance on military might, hmm. their pervasive immorality, hmm. but especially their neglect of the poor. You cows of Bashan who call and say, bring to us that we may drink, they take you away, or and you think of Martin Luther King in a sweltering Birmingham, Alabama jail in 1963, reading these words from Amos chapter 5 and rehearsing and retooling them. I hate, I despise your feasts. Take away from me the songs of your harps. But let justice roll down as water and righteousness as an ever-flowing stream. Real religion is never very far from justice, or it may have been in the wisdom literature as well. Proverbs 29, the just man knows the need of the poor. The psalm, every week, including this week, mentions something about just, justice today, loosening the grasp of the unjust. And even Ecclesiastes, dear doer, Ecclesiastes, for whom all is vanity save time and daily treasures, recognizes that and over 42 years and some 800 funerals and memorials, we can attest to this. What lasts, matters, and counts is not acquisition, but justice. Justice, not acquisition. There's a foreglow to Luke carrying us forward. There's also an afterglow. You know, it's a curious story. Luke is there at the beginning and he's there at the completion of the development of the New Testament. Not sure quite why, but the metaphor that occurs to one today is to say that he was there from the beginning of the pre-season 
all the way to the last game of the season thereof. He was there as part of the development of our Bible. But it happened in a curious way. In the year 150 of the Common Era, there was a Christian Gnostic preacher named Marcion, who was the most popular preacher of his day. He was a wealthy son of a wealthy shipbuilder from Istanbul. And he preached the division and the antithesis between the God of creation and the God of redemption, and focused only on the God of redemption, the God of love, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He developed a little collection, a proto-New Testament, Marcion did. And what did he put in his little Bible? Luke and the letters of Paul. Luke and the letters of Paul. And why Luke? Because Luke's theology is of redemption. Well, it didn't go very well for Marcion, the popular preacher. Along came the great church and said, uh, Mr. Marcion, you've forgotten a few things, and we're going to add them right back in, beginning with law, prophets, and writings. We'll add in the Hebrew scripture. Beginning with Matthew, Mark, and John, we'll add the other gospels. Beginning with the letters of Peter and John and Jude, we'll add those in. And for a cherry on top, we'll add the revelation to St. John. And by the way, Marcion, you're sent forth, deemed heretical, excluded. And there was an interesting financial subplot to all of that. The Bible developed, here's one of life's little lessons, out of opposition. You can learn most in some instances from those who oppose you. Luke has an afterglow as well. We're about to receive the Lord's Supper here in the nave of Marsh Chapel, a particular place in history and in space. Boston University was developed in 1839 by a Methodist preacher from upstate New York. It was given birth by an itinerant Methodist minister from the Mohawk River Valley. And every 180 years or so, the wind blows and another Methodist preacher comes over to see just how Boston is doing, and it's doing wonderfully well. In 1869, the university was incorporated and contrasted to those others nearby from the first day welcomed the poor, the working poor, women, former slaves, people of color, others from different religious traditions, Jews and Catholics and all, and to this day we're still working, making space for the LGBTQIA community, making space for those from around the globe, making space for those otherwise abled. Marsh Chapel at the heart of Boston University is in one sense most directly in sync with, in congruence with, the gospel according to St. Luke. A passion yours for compassion yours. Well, William Fairfield Warren served as president from 1869 until 1912. And after a couple of successors, he was followed by Daniel Marsh, president from 1926 to 1951 and chancellor to 1968 when he died and he was buried. His ashes were buried very near here. How near? About six feet. 
He is interred here beneath the pulpit, 1968, with his uh, beloved wife Arlene in 1972. The sacrament we receive today, with its redolent remembrance of Luke meeting us and Jesus in the pages thereof, is your story. So much so that on December 24th, right in the second pew, her usual place, our dear sister, Nancy Marsh Hartman, sat, stood, and sang the carols of Christmas. Daughter of Daniel, connected to Dempster, relating to church, compassion, theology, and history, all the way back to the third gospel. This is who you are. A combination of deep personal faith and active social involvement. This is who you are. Personal holiness and social holiness combined. Ye that do truly and earnestly repent of your sin and our love and charity with your neighbor and intend to lead a new life following the commandments of God, draw near in faith and take this sacrament to your comfort. Amen.
Good morning. Please be seated. My name is Nick Rodriguez, and I have the pleasure of serving as ministry assistant here uh, for outreach engagement here. We welcome you once again to the nave of Marsh Chapel and hope you'll take a moment to help us get to know you better so that we can help to get to know one another better by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew. Today we are offering communion. There will be wine on the pulpit side and grape juice on the lectern side. There is also um, a healing prayer station under the windows at, on the pulpit side. Every Sunday this semester, we'll be offering a Bible study at 12.30 p.m. in the Thurman Room. The topics include James and Proverbs. From today into the 20th, in partnership with the School of Theology, we are running a food drive benefiting the Brookline Food Pantry. Donors can drop off items at Marsh Chapel in the lower level or at the School of Theology Spiritual Life Office. Tomorrow at 7 p.m. in the Fuller's BU Pub, there will be religion on tap. The topic will be religion and sacrifice. Also, on Friday at 7 p.m., we'll be offering a spiritual paint night in the Marsh Room. Learn about painting as a devotional practice, enjoy some snacks, and put paint to canvas. To RSVP, please email Dr. Jess Chica. For all other upcoming announcements and activities, uh, we would encourage you to keep an eye to the Marsh Chapel website, bu.edu chapel, where you may also find the opportunity for online giving. Now walk in love as Christ loves us in offering and sacrifice to God.
for the work before us, the life within us, the fellowship among us, and thy love that surrounds us. We give thee thanks, O Lord. Bless these gifts and the givers, we pray in Christ. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power. Thank you. 
May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Tireless guardian on our way, thou hast kept us well this day. While we thank thee, we request care continued, pardon, rest. 